You're listening to audio from Plank Grove Harvest Church located in Crossville, Tennessee. If you'd like more information about our church and its various ministries, please visit our website at www.plankgroveharvest.org. Good morning, all. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad um, I wanted to read you this scripture in Isaiah 6, uh, sorry, 62, 6, and 7. It's something I think... Um, I think we'll work on it as our next memory verse. Just this little short part, just to kind of remind us um, of what all we got going on and, and how the Lord hears us. He hears us when we pray. It says he stores our tears in a bottle. He saves our prayers. Our prayers are a sweet incense to him. I don't know if we take advantage of all the praying abilities and so on. It's, uh, Spurgeon said it was like heavy artillery that bombards the walls of heaven and in order to break through that he could hear. Um, Isaiah 62, 6 and 7, the second part of 2, it says, You who make mention of the Lord do not keep silent and give him no rest until he establishes and until he makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. And so the Bible tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and so that can be a part of our prayer. But this part I like right here, give him no rest until he establishes, until you hear a response from him, until you hear you see a result of his work in your life, in your kids' life, whatever you got going on, your health, whatever your thing is. Everybody's got a thing. Whatever your thing is. Until you see a result, and then give him praise. Amen. We're quick to receive the things of God, but rarely do we give him praise for the things that he's done. And so we're still in First Peter. I, I just wanted to give you that verse this morning. Uh, I think it's for you. I don't know who you are, but that one's for you. You who make mention of the Lord... I, I think this is a very critical thing in our culture, as our culture is somewhat wobbly. It's very dysfunctional. It's very secular. It's very ungodly. So be a person who makes mention of the Lord. Do not keep silent. If you're one of God's people, you know him. He knows you. Why would you keep your lips shut about these things? Why do you walk around like, uh, like all the other zombies? Why aren't you speaking the words of life? Why are you keeping your lips closed? Do not keep silent and then give him no rest until he establishes. If you are in a daily reading of the word, understanding the word, prayer, so on, maybe listening to preaching, whatever you're doing, listening to Christian music, however you're being fed. I, I, the Christian music's good. I've told you before, it's fine. Much better. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, not the singing of the saints or the, or the tambourines or whatever. Those things are okay. But that's not how we grow spiritually. We don't grow spiritually from listening to Christian music. We grow spiritually by being filled with the Spirit, by being filled with the Word of God, and that's the thing that we need. So I pray that you'll uh, give him no rest until he establishes. We're still in 1 Peter. We're going to be in 1 Peter today and in Ephesians. Sorry about the TV. I think our little, um, uh, the little sending box here that separates the two, I think it's on the, uh, on the fritz there. So we'll have to get a new one of those these week, this week and get one of those ordered. Maybe we can get that ordered today and get that coming. Um, so, onward to 1 Peter. Sorry, the notes will be on that side there. Let's start just with 1 Peter uh, 1. Start at verse 13 again, and we'll read through 25. I know we've read it a number of times. It's interesting how God's Word works. The more times you read it, the more times you see. The more things that you see. The thing that you read, and it seemed very, very, whatever, cut and dried, then you read it again, it means more. You read it again, it means more. It's, it's this amplification of sound, like when you speak through a cone, how it gets bigger as it goes away. Um, anyway, read, start at verse 13. 
Therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, one more cough drop to get us through. Amy did this to me. I was fine until Amy came up here with her keens. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. This is what we're looking at today is the conduct of the believer. So keep that kind of in the back of your mind, the conduct of the believer. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. You who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Since you have been purified your souls and obeying since you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of god which lives and abides forever because all flesh is grass and all the glory of man is the flower of the grass the grass withers the flower fades and the, but the word of the lord endures forever now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you and i pray that you're both learning, applying these things that we've been teaching these, these last six weeks or so. Um, and I hope some of you are being, I mean, I pray you're being a Berean about this and going and studying to show yourself approved so that you can um, prove what, what I'm telling you is true. Don't take a man's word. I mean, watch the news. Don't take a man's word for things that are going on. But study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing. Correctly cutting, that's what that means. Cutting the word of truth. Correctly cutting out the little words. Remember when you was a kid, you cut out the words to make a puzzle or whatever. Correctly cutting through the word of truth so that it's speaking to you truly. The Holy Spirit allows, it allows the Holy Spirit to speak through his word into your spirit and develop your spirit into spiritual maturity. It's not so that you can be a good scholar. But remember that song, I know in whom I have believed, and he is faithful. I know whom I believe. I want you to know who it is you believed in. You say, I believe in Christ. Well, then why don't you do the things that he tells you to do? That's what he said. I'm not saying that's what he said. If you love me, why don't you keep my commandments? Why do you keep living the old way? I want you to study to show yourself approved so that you can know whom you believe and you can be obedient to him and do as he tells you to do. There's a Seems to be a bit of a cultural revival going on right now with all these little revivals at these colleges. I say little. Um, they're growing. Different people are going to try and touch them with their hands and, and mess up the work of God, you know. Um, it's good that it's happening. It's good that it's with the young. Young people are zealous. They have energy. Um, if it goes past 8 o'clock, we're all nap time, right? But with the young people, they're ready to stay up all night and, and praise the Lord and, and, and preach to one another, give testimonies to one another. I pray that it's of God. I believe that it is. There's people confessing sin. There's repentance. There's people being saved. Um, just so happens we went and watched that movie, Jesus Revolution, last night. Renan and I did. And uh, it was about the beginnings of Calvary Chapel Church. You can agree or disagree with, with that. But there was a time in the 60s, early 70s, I've told you about it before, the so-called Jesus movement, the Jesus freaks, 
<clears throat> and there was a revival amongst young people in that time, the hippies in particular. And the only flaw, maybe that the biggest flaw I could see of that time, it's where the churches, it was good, the churches were trying to bring them into the church, but they let the hippies kind of dictate how they did uh, church. And, uh, and so uh, it's kind of where the mega church movement came from and the, and the contemporary Christian music. That was the very foundations of contemporary Christian music. There was a lot of positives that came out of it. If there was a negative, it was this. Now, the Calvary Chapel Church, I, I got nothing negative to say about them. They had a, did a good job of using the scriptures, teaching the scriptures verse by verse. That's key to understanding for a new believer what it means to be saved. I can't get rescued from Egypt and continue to live like an Egyptian. I got to be changed. I got to begin to be a Christ follower, a God worshiper, a true God worshiper, and not try to carry the things of Baal, the things of Egypt with me into this, into this new relationship with Christ. And so that Calvary Chapel, that guy, Chuck Smith, back in the day, he really worked on, on teaching them the Bible. He let them have their music. He let them dress like uh, hobos. But he really worked on preaching the Word of God to them, and, and particularly, you know, King James Bible down the line. And um, I listened to a thing on John MacArthur on him, and, and he said something kind of funny. He said, the Pentecostals are mad at Chuck because they think he's too much of a Baptist. And the Baptists are mad at Chuck because they think he's too much of a Pentecostal. So nobody's happy. When you're doing the work of God, trust me, nobody's happy. But you focus on the ministry that God's called you to do, and you don't worry about that. You do what God's called you to do as a minister of the gospel, each one of you being a called minister of the gospel. If you're a saved person and you've received Christ, there's a calling on your life to tell others about the hope that's within you, whether you feel comfortable doing it or not. And we just read it in Isaiah you who make mention of the Lord, do not keep silent. If you're not afraid to speak of him in your home, then also speak of him in public. And then you'll see the change that you're talking about, that you're desiring. I want to see this revival. I pray you want to see revival, so-called re-alive. If you're alive, you're alive. You're not re-alive, but that's beside the point. If you're alive, become more alive. How about that? But they don't have a word for that. More alive, more living, life, and more abundantly. Be that. It's exciting, and there's definitely an opportunity for each of us to seek out these new believers. I was talking to my dad this morning, and, and uh, we, I had a his first cousin who just passed away a year or so ago. And this man was in Oregon, right on the Oregon coast, back during this Jesus movement. And as these people were coming, well, they were getting saved, and he saw this huge growth in his church. And wrongly, I think, in some ways, he might have attributed part of it to himself and his charismatic speaking ability and and such like that and but he saw his church begin to grow and he got up there you know 100 200 300 i don't know how big it got there but say around 300 people and so what he did was start a seminary which was a wise move on his part and so he him and his brother-in-law started a seminary that's it's now it, it finally died out 50 years later it died but um for 50 years it took those street people those hippies and so on these newly saved people brought them in and developed them in the word of God so that they were capable of continuing mission. And a lot of those guys came from there and became pastors of other churches all over the United States. And I was listening to Ralph, my uncle Ralph, the guy that started this church. And he, he wasn't tooting his horn, but he was just kind of talking about some of the people. He had met a number of actors and actresses in Hollywood that had come to see what the deal was. So these people were coming. He started doing a, a traveling Bible study 
or he'd get in his car and drive way south into California. California's a long state vertically. It's like Tennessee. It's really long. And so for where he was, I think it was eight or ten hours, he'd drive south and have these Bible studies in people's houses, and he'd have his service on Sunday morning or whatever he had at, at his church, you know. And so, and through this, he met different actors and actresses that were hot stuff in that day. And he saw a lot of people growing spiritually, and it was a real blessing. But what it was was the pouring out of the Spirit on the country in that time, and it gave people this renewed sense and desire for God. And he took advantage of it, and we need to be ready to take advantage of it as well. We need to study to know the Word. We need to have the Word hidden in our heart that we may not sin against Him. We need to have the Word fresh on our lips. We need to have it as a guidance for our feet on our path. And we need to be ready to speak it in season and out of season. And like Peter, to, to have it, and the Lord will provide the words to say in that moment. When you're nervous and you don't want to say, he will provide the word to say. But you've got to have it in there for him to provide it to your lips. It'll come to mind when you need it if you're ready beforehand. So we need to be ready to disciple these people. As we see people saved and brought to Christ, we need to be ready to disciple them. So we read that first Peter 113, and that's where we finished last week. And like I said, we'll call that the conduct of the believer because Peter goes through a really specific little thing right here, and you'll see it here, you'll see it in Ephesians 2, on what you need to be. I think, I know, that one of the hardest things for, for new Christians in particular, old Christians get hardened to it, new Christians are ignorant of it, but that is, how do I live? Uh, Francis Schaeffer uh, wrote that little leaflet, How Then Shall We Live? That's a great little leaflet. If you're an acceptor, if you've accepted Christ and he saved you, then how do you live? And it goes back to this simple salvation message of verse 5, 1 Peter 1, 5. And I know you're probably tired of hearing it. I'm so I'm going to keep telling it to you until it comes quickly to your lips. Every time I start it, you'll finish it. But it says, you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. In this, you greatly rejoice. Um, it seems simple enough. The fact that we're kept, that Jesus lived a perfect life. He died in our place as a sacrifice for our sins. He rose from the dead. He didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. And he sits today at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. And we accept his offering on our behalf so that we can be alive. You who are once dead in your trespasses and sins, you he made alive. So you were dead and now you're alive. Not only are you alive, but it says that you're kept by the power of God. There is nothing that we can do, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saves us. He does it all, and by his mercy, he saves us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the body, the, the understanding that there is a God and that he did create all things and that he loves you and he has a purpose for you and that he's going to keep you. And we saw that picture of, no one can snatch you out of my hand. Jesus got you. And then the Father. No one can snatch you out of my Father's hand. So his hand's on top of Jesus' hand, and you're inside there, and you're not coming out. If you're his, you're not coming out because you're kept by his power, not by your power. Your power is fragile and wavering and inconsistent, but God's power is immutable, which means unchanging, and it's all-powerful, omnipresent, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, all-everywhere, immutable, unchanging, omniscient all-knowing and that personality is what's got you contained and kept and it's powerful and it's much greater than anything we possess in our own strength we are weak and fragile and we we make bad decisions every day 
Even Emily said she sinned this week. So we know that if Emily can sin, I surely can sin. So it means that your faith is precious. We read that it was a precious faith. And that is in Jesus Christ. And that it won't be fully revealed until we die. But we can have it today. We can begin eternal life today. And it will carry us until eternal life when we know. Well, it's hard to know now. We can only know what we know because we're in this human state. And we can only feel what we can feel and touch what we can touch. And very temporal and very sensory in the things we do. The supernatural thing that's going on. We can know that we have. Uh, he, who has the, he who has the Son has life. That you may know that you have eternal life there in First John. So you can know. And this gift of eternal life, it's a gift to be unwrapped with joy and exuberance and it's to be shared, uh, cherished because of the cost of the giver who gave it to you. So you don't, you don't receive a gift and keep it in the box with the bow on it and just carry it around and show everybody what this nice gift is. It's just to be tore apart like when you're a little kid and you destroy the box to get to the inside. And then when you receive the gift, it's exactly the thing that you wanted. And so you carry it with you everywhere you go. And like the little stuffed animals that our kids had till the eye falls off and the foot falls off. You carry it with you and you use it and you share it with everyone you meet. So how can a believer live in such a way as to bring honor to his Savior, obedience to his King, and as a testimony to those that are yet saved? That's what we're going to try and discover this morning. And I know we've covered this a number of times in different, in different ways. And, and um, so if you've heard it before, you know, Whatever, take new notes so you got more stuff in the supercomputer to process for later. But um, this is, uh, so my, my daughter was telling me, she goes, oh yeah, Dad, we had a great message last week. And he got up there and he told us that most of the things of this was legalism. It's not legalism to understand that there are things that are off limits in the life of the believer. That's not legalism. I mean, to know the law is to be legal. And to abide by the law is not to be legalistic. It's just to be obedient. So if I know to do right and do not do it, the Bible says it is sin. So to be honoring to God, the one who made me and created me and cares for me and loves me and keeps me by his power, is to be obedient to him. And if I love him, I'm going to do what he tells me to do. Look at uh, Romans 8, 1 and 2. I don't know if I put that one on there. I might have forgot that one. 8, 1, and 2. This is, this is the trick right here. This is the thing that we forget. So a lot of people, they'll give you this thing, well, I'm, I'm no longer under the law, I'm under grace. That is true. That is a true statement. But it's also untrue in the way you're applying it to yourself. What you're saying is, in my own self, I'll do whatever I want because I'm not under the law. Therefore, I can do whatever I want, and I'm saved, and I'm kept from the fire, and everything's cool. And so God's got to love me because he said he loved me, and now I'm just going to do what I want. But look at this verse, Romans 8, 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation to those who are in, where? Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the, but according to the Spirit. No condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. There is condemnation then for those that do not walk according to the Spirit, but do walk according to the flesh. 
especially if they think that they are in Christ Jesus, but they're not. There's condemnation. And that's what I want to tell you about today is, who's your name? There is condemnation for those that walk in the flesh. There is condemnation, there is discipline, there is wrath for so-called believers that proclaim the name of Christ but continue to walk in the flesh. There is condemnation. The weight of the law holds the sword over your neck because you are not walking according to the Spirit. You're walking according to the flesh. If you walk in the flesh, then the, then the law takes care of your uh, issues. If you walk according to the Spirit, then Christ takes care of your issues. You can go and check me out and see if I'm telling you the truth on that. But that's how it is. You can like it or not. Well, I'm saved and God forgives me and I confess my sin and, and then blah, 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 blah. Well, yeah, maybe. But if you continue in sin, there is a sin unto death, the Bible tells us in 1 John. There is a sin unto death. And that's where the person that confesses the name of Christ continues in besetting sin, continues to walk in the path of sinners, walk in the path of the unrighteous, walk in the path of the wicked and iniquitous, and then God takes him before his time. He takes him before his time because he's tarnishing the name of the Lord. So there is condemnation for those that are walking outside of Christ. If you're walking in Christ, you're walking in the Spirit, and you're not walking in the flesh. When you find yourself in the flesh, we've got to go back to that 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, faithful and just to forgive us our sins, and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Who is? He is. And then he cleanses us. But we don't need to be like the little kid that gets took in the house and then mom cleans them all up and scrubs his little black feet off. I just remember the kids coming in there just filthy. Their feet were black. And then they would go put them in the tub and they come out and their feet were still black. And then they were leaving like little black footprints around on the floor. And mom goes in there and puts the scrub brush to them and then they're all squeaky and pink, right? And then they immediately go outside and their feet are black again. And many believers are doing the same thing. They confess sin, they're repentant, they're sorrowful, but there's no conviction and there's no true repentance, no turning. They continue in the same path, doing the same thing. And they're saying, well, Jesus is, Jesus is my co-pilot. Remember that, that you see that on life supply. He better be the pilot. If you've ridden with me, you understand. You want him driving. I'm a, not a good driver. As long as two people don't drive exactly like me at the same time, all is well. When there's two of us out there, that's when it's dangerous. He needs to be the pilot and not the co-pilot. When he's the co-pilot, you will ignore what he says. If I'm, <laughs> if I'm the pilot, Strong's mocking me back there for my bad driving. He will just, we'll be driving somewhere. He's like, man, you've got to pull over. And then he'll drive the rest of the way. If it's a 1,000 miles, he drives the rest of the way. So sometimes when I'm getting tired, I just start swerving a lot, and then he takes over. But... Um, Anyway, it's not a legalism thing. Legalism is holding others to a higher standard than you hold yourself. That's legalistic. But to be obedient to God and his word is not being legalistic. It's being wise. Anyway, ponder that. Walk in the spirit. So I can measure myself every day very easily, and I can discern whether or not I'm walking in the spirit or if I'm walking in the flesh. If I'm walking in the spirit, then I'll have no guilt of the things that I said or thought or acted on or whatever. And if I'm walking in the flesh, I'll have regrets all day long. Oh, I can't believe I said that. Oh, I can't believe I did that. 
or whatever Emily did. We'll have to f- figure out what Emily did this week. It was probably good. You should tell us, Emily, and we'll lay hands on you. So this, <laughs> so this isn't about seeing how close to the sin line I can walk and it not be sin. That's not, what the, that's not the image. This is about abstaining from all, we'll see this in Ephesians, it says abstain from all unholy talk or coarse jesting. Do you abstain from all unholy talk or coarse jesting? Do you let things that are too shameful that they shouldn't be mentioned in this world come out of your mouth in conversation? Are you very careful what goes through the eye gates of your eye as people walk by or things come on your, whatever it is you do on your computer at home or whatever you do on your phone, as you're, whatever, you're, whatever you're doing? Are you very careful what you allow into your ears? Because I'm telling you, the more you're around people, if you're around people that cuss all the time, I'm telling you, it will start slipping into your language. If you're watching a lot of movies with really carnal uh, uh, things, a lot of cursing, nudity, so on, it begins to uh, print over the computer, the hard drive that's in your mind, and you'll begin to see those things in your mind, and it becomes acceptable thought process and behavior for your mind. Are you taking every thought captive? That's good thoughts and bad thoughts. We, do we let our thinking, our thought life run away with us? Or are we very careful? It says here in 14, as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but being holy, verse 15, 15 being holy in all your conduct, all conduct holy. That's walking in the Spirit. Because, I'm going to tell you, in the flesh you can't, you're just not that holy. You're not holy at all. So Jesus said for us to take up our cross daily and follow him. Maybe the cross for you, and I'm not trying to be uh, too new agey here. I just, just People got different issues. The, the main besetting sin for you, your main weakness is, is different, particularly male and female. But between men and women... They're very different. Men attracted through the eyes, you know, women walk by and throws us off our swerve or whatever. Men are attracted through the things that they see primarily. And women, through the things that they hear. And a lot of their sins can be verbal as they gossip and so on. But that's just one little part. It could be greed or lust or, or maligning or gossiping or backbiting or, or whatever your thing is. It could be, I, I don't know, I don't know what your thing is. You got your thing. I got my own thing. I can't worry about your thing. I got too many things of my own. But know this, each person's cross is, is where he's walking daily, carrying the cross, the weight of that, trying to deal with those things of the flesh, not allowing the Spirit to work through you and help you deal with that. So you're trying to carry the burden of the sin that you got. You're trying to walk in a godly way. It's too much. Each person's is different. For to carry the cross is to be Christ-like, to be in His image. It says, be holy, verse 16, for I am holy. So you're supposed to be like the Father is. You're supposed to be in the image of Christ. And if you're not being that, then that means you're being in the flesh. And you can say, well, that's a very high standard. Yes, piece of cake, you can do it. Uh, So as we get these things in correction... Um, we have to be more thoughtful as we take every thought captive. We have to condition our speech. You know, you put, uh, I don't, but I know people that do, uh, put conditioner in their hair, you know. That's too much work for me to do the shampoo and then the conditioner. And I'm a one-and-done kind of feller. 
But those that condition your hair, the point is to make it soft and smooth and more manageable. Condition your speech. Make it soft and smooth and more manageable, Loretta. Condition your, your thoughts. Make them soft and smooth and more manageable. Condition your actions. Make them soft and smooth and more manageable. And then you'll be walking more like Christ. Like I said, we're doing this because we are obedient children. We should be. If we're not, then we're disobedient children. If we're a believer in Christ, if we're a child of God, then we should be acting as such. The Father loves us. He's a good Father. And it says that we do this out of fear. Where did I find that? Gird up your loins. Called you as holy. You also holy. Right here, 17. If you call on the Father, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. When did you fear your father the most growing up? It's when you were off track. You didn't fear him when everything's going good and you're being nice and sweet and you're eating your vegetables at the table and you're, um, you know, cleaning your room or doing whatever dad told you to do, working on whatever he told you to do. When you feared him is when you were off track. I mean, there's a word, that word also implies honor and reverence. But we do it because of what he's done for us. We do it, we do it because we fear to do harm to the family name. My, my family name, my brother Alva Christian over here, my sister, Mrs. Alva Christian, your family name is Christian. Your family name is Believer. Because that's what God calls you, his son. So that makes us all uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, sons and daughters of the Most High. So we share a last name. Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is to be desired more than riches, loving favor rather than silver or gold. We should be very careful with this new last name that we've been given. Even the unsaved, are, they're always quick to point out, uh, well, I thought you said you were a Christian, and then whatever. And, then, and there is a perception there where they're wrong about what we're allowed to do and what we're not allowed to do, or what we should be able to do, and so on. But the reality is, we should give no space for a person that is unsaved to look at us and say that he's not very different from the rest. He seems to be wholly set apart. He doesn't act like they act. He doesn't drink unto drunkenness. He doesn't say debaucherous words. He doesn't do debaucherous acts. He doesn't let his hands go where they shouldn't go. He doesn't let his mouth speak words that he shouldn't speak. He doesn't wear clothes that, that denote some kind of whatever. He doesn't cover his body in one way or another. He, he is a very different person. He handles things differently than I would handle them as an unsaved person. He seems to be at peace. He seems to be at rest. He seems to have gracious words come out of his mouth. He seems to be very patient, even with me. That's how it should be. We should be so careful, and I pray that you hold your Christian name in such a high regard that you would never tarnish it. One time, I was playing on a basketball team in Cookville, and I'm not saying I was a super saved person exactly at the time, and um, so uh, it had a, I had a shirt on. It said, First Baptist Church, and I didn't go there. I was just on their team. And uh, so on the way home, while I was buying beer, <laughs> the guy goes, they have a beer drinking time at the First Baptist Church? And I was like, oh, uh, no. But we have one in my house, you know. And so I was not careful with the name that I was carrying, and I tarnished First Baptist Church, so don't go there because they're a bunch of wine bibbers. No, I don't know. They're, they're not. They're good people down there. <laughs> but, uh, but I was carrying someone else's name, and I tarnished the name by my actions. 
ashamed their name. They assume because I'm wearing their shirt that I represented them. You're wearing the name of Christ on your body. Now you better act like it. Be obedient. So to emphasize this a little bit, this girding up the loins of your mind, we looked at it last, last week, just that bracing yourself and taking courage in face of the trials that we're all going to have to go through. You're going to have to go through hard times. Things are going to happen. You're going to get sick. You're gonna, your kids are going to do weird stuff that you're going to have to answer for. Things happen. But in that time, you need to be ready for the battle. It's the Ephesians 6, putting on the armor. And it says to brace yourself, so gird up the loins of your mind, and then be sober, which means to live righteously in verse 13. And then last, it says, rest your hope fully upon the grace and salvation of Christ. So as life produces these negative things, it's how a person who is holy deals with them, knowing that you are being observed by people that are unholy, number one, and also by people that are holy, yet are much more immature in the faith. And number three, it says that the angelic realm is observing you. That's a hard thing to figure. They're watching you going, why did God save these people? So we got the supernatural observing, we got the unholy observing, and then we got the holy that's less spiritual than us, and then we have the holy that's more spiritual than us that comes alongside and encourages us and builds us up and so on. So in that, each day we have to make a conscious decision to do certain things with our minds, to keep every thought captive and, and like that, just as we do our bodies. We teach our children when they're young not to eat this or that because they're going to get fat if they eat too much sugar or, they, or whatever. And so we say, well, that's, this portion is enough, and that's suitable for today. And we need to do the same things with our minds. We need to prepare it in the morning for the day to follow. We need to get our prayer life right, and we need to... Uh, uh, consider the things that we're going to take into our mind this day. We need to put the whole armor of God on. All of the whole armor of God, if you go back and read the list, it's all on the front of the body, nothing covering the back. The idea is that it's ever forward. It's like the Claymore mind, front towards enemy. Point this side towards the enemy. Point this side with the sword, with the helmet, with the shield, with the breastplate, with the belt, with the shoes. Front towards enemy. We're not designed... To, to run for, from the enemy. The armaments are cover the front of the body, implying that the battle's in front of you. So the enemy is to be defended against, not to be run from. Be facing him so you can fend him off. When your back's turned, you're an easy target. Arrow to the spine. That's what happened to Josiah. He realized the battle was heavy. He turned in the chariot. Boink! Gets shot in the back. That's what happens. The fruit of the Spirit, listen in Galatians again, is designed for the believer as he faces tribulations and sufferings. If you read the fruit of the Spirit and you see the whole book of the Galatians, you foolish Galatians, you bunch of dummies. That's what he's saying. That's in the New Dale translation. You bunch of dummies. Stop living this way. Live by the fruit of the Spirit. Well, we're being persecuted and things are hard and we're not having all the stuff we want, need, so on. And he says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, that's for times of suffering. That's for times of persecution. It's easy to be loving and kind and self-controlled when everything's going your way. When it's hard is when the guy drives by you and cuts you off. When it's hard is when your kids make a bad call. It's not, I keep saying my kids. My kids are doing great. I don't want you to get the wrong thought there. They're not doing anything wrong. But, but I know that, you know, that people make mistakes. Things happen. And how you handle the things that are hard is 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 the is the uh, example of this holy living 
It's easy to be holy when things are, it's easy to be benevolent when you're rich. You just throw the money around and everything's full. It's when you're poor and you're giving out of your poverty, that's when holiness is exemplified. It's when you're sick as a dog and you go visit the sick. We knew a lady that had breast cancer real bad in Peru, and her mission was to go back to the hospital with these other ladies. She was dying, I'm pretty sure she's passed away now. But it was her mission to go back and preach the gospel to the other ladies that were in the hospital there in Peru. In fact, talked to uh, Jenny Dalton for us and gave Jenny a really good word and encouraged Jenny, who had breast cancer at the time, encouraged her to go to women with breast cancer and encourage them in the scriptures. Wow, that's the difference in being holy and in being like everyone else. Because if you're like everyone else, then you're not set apart. Being holy is to be set apart. That's what it means. Go to Ephesians 5. I'm sorry we got bogged down there, but uh, I'm not too sorry. You guys can talk about me later on the ride home. But for now, Ephesians 5. I'm going to read to you. We'll read it in two parts. Uh, Ephesians 5, 1 through 8, and then we'll read a little second part there. It's how do I walk, how do I exist as a believer? What does the walk of the believer look like? What does obedience look like? 5, verse 1, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. Oh, well, there it is. Just be exactly like God and everything's cool. No sweat. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Walk in love, be imitators of God, be like Christ. What did Christ do? It says right here, he was an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. It reminds me of that in Corinthians. Offering yourself as a sacrifice. But fornication and all uncleanliness covetousness let it not even be named among you as it is fitting for saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving of thanks for this you know that no fornicator unclean person covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of christ in god uh, let no one deceive you with these with empty words for because of these things the wrath of god comes upon the sons of disobedience sons of disobedience therefore do not be partakers with them for you were once darkness, but now are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. It's very interesting. I'm, I'm not lying to you. It says, walk and be keeping a careful watch on the name that you're carrying as you walk. Be careful with your name. Don't walk in love. Be like Christ. Be an imitator of God. Get rid of the fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness, um, idolatry, filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, and so on. Because none of those has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. And such were all of you. And you. And me. Even Mark. All of you. Were these things. Some of you are these things. And you need to get it cleaned up like yesterday. Because it says no one has that has these issues has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and in God. That's scary. You ought to be scared because I dare say that many of you, myself and included in the list, 
have done these things, foolish talking, coarse jesting, uh, fornication, uncleanliness, covetousness. You see things that other people have, you desire it. You see a life that another person has, you desire it. You see a wife that another person has and you desire it. You see a, a car that another person has and you desire Whatever your, I mean, everybody's got their own thing. Whatever your thing is, it's included in this list, trust me. You don't want us to over-amplify these words because then you would be ashamed. Myself included. I'm not separating myself from this list. I'm looking at this list going, man, got to do better. Walk as children of the light. So what would imitating God look like? It says to be imitators of God. What would it look like? It's not just about playing a harp or just singing holy songs all the time. It's about being a creative person. God, first and foremost, is a creator. He's not first and foremost. God is a creator. He is the creator of all things. If you have a creative bent, if you're an artist or a musician or you like to color or whatever, you're, whatever you like to decorate, you like to um, put clothing outfits together, whatever your thing is, know that this was a gift from God that was given to you and now use that as a gift back to Him, to the fullest of your ability. You didn't think about that one, did you? What about being loving? Are you loving like God is loving? Are you loving in this up and down way that we're loving, where we love people that love us, but we're kind of discouraged with those that don't? Um, are you long-suffering? Are you long-suffering even in traffic? Are you long-suffering at Walmart? You want to talk about long-suffering, man. That is my Achilles heel right there. I do not enter that place. Are you patient? Do you endure the false words of men that are directed at you, the false statements and lies that people say about you? They say stuff about you. You know that? Mark, I, we talk about you all the time. We talk about each other all the time. People we love, we say terrible things about, hoping that they'll never hear it. Is that you? Are you careful with your words? Measuring them. Walk as children of the light. When I read that, I'm just so convicted of my own shortcomings, you know, because the measure of God is perfection. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, each man, there is no one righteous. No, not one. Not a single man, not a single woman, single child. Not one is righteous in comparison to the measurement, which is perfect. And he's always perfect. And I told you before, sin is as simple as bending a nail. Every single thing that we do every day falls short of the glory of God. If it's less than perfect, it's sin. And in that i got to get close to the one that saves me because I can't do anything in my own strength. He does everything. And if he doesn't do it, if I do it, it's going to be upside down or backwards. So that list covers all of us. It's just not a joke. It says, not worthy of the kingdom of Christ and God. That would be heaven. You're not worthy of that if you're in these things. Well, if you're in these things, stop and repent and ask him to forgive you, and he will. But wait, remember, it says there's there, therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The only salvation here is to be uncondemned because you are in Christ Jesus. You're walking not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So this is a great morning prayer for you. You can work on this one. It's really simple. You can remember this. Lord, help me to walk according to your spirit. Just start with that one. Give yourself 15 seconds. How long did that take? 
You know, you could work your prayer time up to say 15 minutes or an hour. But start with this one, 15 seconds. Lord, help me to walk according to your spirit today. And then tomorrow you could start adding the fruit of the spirit. Help me to walk in the fruit of the spirit today in love and in joy and in peace and in patience and kindness and so on. With Christ and the Holy Spirit's indwelling fresh, freshness to us each morning, with the ability to quickly recover in confession of sin when we fall short of the glory of God, then we have the, the hope of salvation through the power of God. So you've got to watch how you walk, because it says in verse 8, for you, it doesn't say you were once in darkness. Read what it says. It says, you were once darkness. You were dead. But now, you are light. Light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. So you could just make a little puzzle there. You equals darkness. Without Christ, you, darkness, same. Just get your shirt, darkness. Put it in white letters on black and walk around. When they ask you about it, you say, I once walked in darkness. That was me. And now I walk in the light. If I walk in the light, walk as children of the light, walk that way all the time. Be very careful how you carry your name. Take better care of it. Let's zip through these last verses here. We're almost done. 9 and 10. It says, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. I told you last week, when you search the Scriptures, you're searching it to try to find Christ in the pages. But here's something else you can look for. You can look through the scriptures and you can find out what is acceptable to the Lord. There's a lot of things that are acceptable to the Lord. You know what the Lord is really big on? Fellowship. He's really big on that. Even all the Old Testament feasts were about fellowship with each other. And the one, my favorite feast is Deuteronomy 17. They were to get whatever they wanted, the best food and drink. And, and it implies like fine wine and, and excellent food. Sell wherever you're at and bring it. And go to this other town and buy the very buy your very best favorite food, whatever that is, pizza and creme brulee and you know filet mignon and whatever chardonnay, whatever your thing is. I don't know what you're thinking. And then sit down and eat it before the Lord as a family, as believers. And you sit down, you eat it, and the Lord looks on it, and He's like, "Yeah, that's good. They're taken of my blessings for them." And they're eating it in front of me. God bless them. I love them. I'm not telling you to go start being wine bibbers. I'm just telling you. That was that one for there. But it's, there is appropriate and acceptable actions for believers in the word. But we gotta, we got to be looking for those things. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Have no fellowship, look at verse 11, with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. I was with these people over the weekend. And it's just not my thing. It was, when I was young, I'm not going to say I wasn't a... A mess. But just to see him, he told me that his hobby was drinking. I said, that's your hot. I mean, what a terrible hobby. 4.30 in the afternoon till 1 in the morning. What an awful hobby. I mean, I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't have fellowship with that darkness anymore. There was a time uh, when I was young in the military that I was a part of that darkness. But I, I don't want any part of that darkness anymore. I don't want it on me. It wasn't that fun to be around if you're the only guy sober and everybody else is drunk and they're telling you their stories, they don't even make sense. It's, it's awful. I don't want a part, and I'm not just talking about drunkenness, I'm talking about the things of the world, like all their pictures, not all, but a lot of their pictures were skulls, and it's just the negative, you know, things of death, and they, and they celebrate those things, 
and there's no light. Even the house was dim. I felt like I was only five foot eleven. I had to feel what the short people were like. I was, felt like the light was oppressing me and beating me down. Turn the dang lights on. Let's get some light in here so we can see what we're doing. Let's read the word. I'm not judging them. I just don't want to be in that anymore. And I pray you don't either. If these are the things that are holding you, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works. They don't produce anything good. Drunkenness or living that life, it doesn't produce anything good. It only produces negative and fighting and discord and scratching and clawing and phone calls to the cops. It doesn't produce anything good. They struggle with depression because they walk around in the dark all the time. And many believers are holding, they're dabbling in this little sin over here, and then they got this depression thing going on over here, and they don't see that the two things are connected. They're disconsolate. We, we talked about that last week or week before. They're disconsolate. They're, they're on the way to depression. They're down because they're fooling with the sin over here. They can't hear the voice of God over here because he'll have no part in unrighteousness. He won't, and you shouldn't either. It's unfruitful. Expose those things. Expose them in yourself. You don't have to tell me, please, if you got some super weird jazz going on in your life, I don't want to know, don't tell me, because then I have to think about it. Don't tell me. Tell the Lord. Tell him, Lord, here's, where I, here's what I'm looking at. Here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing with nobody else. Here's what I think about. Here's what really drives my desires. And all these things are keeping me from you, and I want to hear your voice again like I did when I was young, just... Just speak to me, Lord, and tell me what it is you want me to do. Speak to me and let me hear your voice. And then, and then I'll, I'll, I'll stop doing these things. Help me to stop doing these things. Remove these thoughts from my mind. Re break these chains that are holding me and free me from these things. And he says, if he makes you free, you'll be truly free. But unless he makes you free, you're held by the very chains that you manufacture for yourself in sin. That's in the book. Quit making the chain links. Verse 12, it's shameful to even talk about these things, but I want you to look at verse 14. Therefore, he says, uh, all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. Whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, so we need the light. Therefore, the light comes on. Awake, you who sleep. Awake from the dead, and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And here's a little... A little puzzle right here, and we saw it in that Psalm 73 this morning, but I didn't catch it till this morning when I read through it the last time, but it says, Awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. So the first thing is, awake you who sleep. This is the opportunity for the unsaved person, the person that doesn't know Christ. You've been asleep at the wheel. You're the walking dead. You're the zombie. You have a physical body, but it says that you were born dead in your trespasses and sins, and you're wandering around, and wondering why stuff just doesn't make sense. It's because you're dead. And a dead person doesn't think that well. They don't speak that well. They don't act that well. Because they're dead. It says, arise from the dead. Be made alive. And you, who were once dead in your trespasses and sin, he made alive in Jesus Christ. One hallelujah. You were dead, and he made you alive, Emily. And you're alive. So this is the... The first is the unsaved or the carnal believer. Arise from the dead, 1 John 1, 9. Confess your sin, repent, stop doing this thing, and walk in the light. Christ will give you light. So you are awakened. Your opportunity was there. It was given to you to be saved. You are made alive. Arise from the dead. Opportunity for the carnal backslidden believer to be made 
functional and usable, and Christ will give you light. Repent and recover. Get into that relationship with the Father, and don't allow yourself to return to that old way. He told us that in Peter. He tells us that in Ephesians. He tells us that in Galatians. You were saved from that. Why do you keep fooling around in that? And the last is verse 15. It says, walk circumspectly, in verse 16, redeeming the time. To walk circumspectly, this is how the believer is to walk, circumspectly. It's a weird word. Uh, it just means to be accurate, watching every step to avoid dangers and enemies, uh, to live the gospel by watching your conduct. It's not about being legalistic and keeping a big list of rules. You know, the lady has to wear the little, remember the little collars they used to have with the little lace on there or the hair covering or the long dress and your ankle's not showing and them black pointy shoes that, that is hideous. You don't have to do that. I'm telling you, get your heart right and all these other things will fall into place. If you want to cover your hair, cover your hair. If you want to wear a skirt, wear a skirt because you wear it because that's what you want to wear. But walk, watch where you place your feet. Walk circumspectly. So when you're on patrol and you're in the enemy's territory, they used to teach us a couple things. But one was how you place your feet because if you're snapping twigs and making a bunch of racket, then you're going to get shot. You've got to sneak up on them. You've got to carefully place your feet. It's like deer hunting. Carefully place your feet. The guy that tromps into a stand, he's not going to see a deer. The guy that slopes in there engine style, he's going to see a bunch. Be careful where you place your feet. Be careful where you go. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you speak. And then the things of earth will grow strangely dim as you begin to walk circumspectly and in towards the light. I really like that where it said you were once darkness, not in darkness, but you were dark. And he made you alive and he made you light. And I'm thinking about all that as I think about these, these little revivals and so on. I'm excited. Um, what I fear is not just false conversions, but weak baby believers. And I pray that the Lord uh, rescues them by sending pastors and teachers and messengers, encouragers, developers, disciple makers, whatever you want to say. I pray that those are sent. I pray that those people's ears are listened. And for you, if you've been walking in darkness like you used to be in the dark and now you're continuing to play in the dark, when you walk around in the dark, you trip over stuff. We know a man, a friend of Strong's, he stepped on a Lego. This is so crazy. He goes downstairs at nighttime, steps on a Lego that his kid left on the floor. He gets an infection in the bone of his foot. Loses his foot, loses his leg, and dies from stumbling around the dark and stepping on a Lego. Crazy. Good man of God. When you're walking in the dark, you're just waiting for the opportunity to stumble over something dumb. Be careful. As a child of God, begin to walk in the light, begin to produce this fruit of the Spirit, goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Look in the book. It'll tell you what you can do. You've got to do all kinds of stuff. Do the things that you're told to do. Be obedient. Father, in this time this morning as we come before you and we've read your word and you told us what we need to do. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Help us to stand strong in you, Lord. I pray for these that are here that have these besetting sins, Lord. I, I know that they exist in our midst because we all have them. And we all deal with the flesh every day. And I pray you free us from those things that chain us. I pray for those that need prayer right now, Lord. I ask in this time, maybe we take a moment of silence, but I pray that those would come and we could pray and there could be repentance, Lord.
you want to come right now, now's the time, come. And we'll wait. But today could be the day of your salvation. We've heard from the Lord through his word, through a flawed messenger who gave it to you as best as the Lord gave it to me. And I pray that you hear it now and it sinks down into your heart and convicts your spirit. If you have sin in your life that you need to deal with, deal with it right now and ask him to free you from those chains and to set you loose. And if you're an unsaved person, you don't know who Christ is, today can be the day of your salvation. I pray that you would hear his voice and not harden your heart as in the days of the wilderness. You don't have to stay in the desert. You can come to the, the paradise, which is eternity with Christ. grateful for your mercy towards us and your long suffering towards us and I pray for the, the feet of all the people here that they would walk circumspectly as children of God they would have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness but they would begin to produce much fruit, abundant fruit which is godly fruit Lord that you have worked on them in their spirit and you've developed them Lord and we'd see people saved we'd see people redeemed, we'd see people repentant We'd see people fall in love with you again, Lord, like when they were young. Lord, I pray for the marriages here. I pray for those that are in one sin or another, Lord. I, I'm, I, I can't speak for them, Lord, but just I pray in, in your name that you would save them and you would rescue them, you would show mercy towards them and demonstrate your long-suffering towards them one more day. And I pray that they would repent while there's still time. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And we give you all honor, glory, and praise for all that you've done and will do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.